Hi guys, thanks for tuning in. Before I get to today's interview, I just wanted to go over a few quick announcements. Uh, first off, I wanted to announce the winner of this month's raffle for a free reading. And that goes to Casey CDA. That's her Instagram. Uh, if you would like to, congratulations, Casey. Uh, if you would like to win a free reading, go ahead and send me a screenshot of your written five-star review and I'll enter you into the raffle. I also wanted to touch up on the fact that we have Mercury Retrograde coming up. Uh, that starts on June 17th and lasts until July 12th. So if you are worried about surviving Mercury Retrograde, I recommend you jump over to rainbowglitterstar.com and get yourself some Mercury Retrograde survival magic. It's a little thing that I put together. Uh, I put a lot of love into it, a lot of thought into it. All the herbs are harvested by hand. Um, just go ahead and check it out. See if it's your thing. And lastly, we have an eclipse on June 21st. And in honor of this eclipse, I am running an astrology eclipse special. My astrology readings are normally $150. I'm knocking off $25. So for $125, we can do a natal chart reading and I'll also throw in some extra information on how this eclipse is hitting your chart and how you can sort of survive the energies of the next six months based off of that. All right. Thank you for giving me your attention. On to the show. Witch. I guess I'm just gonna, I just hit record. So we're just going to jump into it then. Okay. Let's <laughs> like, bring it on you. Um, okay. So just to give a little bit of an introduction to the listeners, I am talking to someone that I've known since middle school, but I feel like we actually haven't really had a conversation <laughs> since then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is John Carr, by the way, so, so the people know your name. Hello. <laughs> but we kind of um, we kind of just reconnected over the Rainbow Glitter Star private group where like all the witchy conversations happen. And it just made me like it just sort of jogged my memory of us both being baby witches in junior high. And I thought it would be really interesting to interview you because we sort of were into the same thing at the same time. Yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I always like I always assumed that your mom had brought you up pagan, uh, but you informed me when I reached out that that actually wasn't the case. So I'm sort of curious, like when your journey into the sort of like you know mystery schools and paganism and all that stuff began, and kind of how you found that on your own. Well, it ultimately came back came down to um, during that time in middle school, that's when I lost my dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad kind of brought, to my knowledge, growing up very young about our ancestry, you know. My dad said it was Jewish, but um, he also knew that not his entire family was Jewish. And then uh, my mom's side, definitely not Jewish. Um, 
that uh, the Celts were a big part of our ancestry. So um, I kind of took that in and I studied the Celts. And I even started studying under the Obod, which is the Order of Bards, Ovids, and Druids. And then later I realized that they're actually not really historically accurate. Um, that entire movement was based off of uh, the romance resurgence during the 18th and 19th century where they just kind of made up a bunch of beliefs and threw the term Celtic over it and pretended it was so. But mm-hmm. um, as archaeology and other means have uh, proved it to not be so. I'm almost intimidated by your knowledge right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Um, did, were you... In middle school, when I know we like, so so like I, like me and my friends, by the way, I'm not trying to bounce all over the place, but did you know that your wife was in my coven briefly? Really? Yes. On my 13th birthday, I formed a coven and your wife was there and we like called, like we like, you know, had a few sleepovers. Her, she bailed after like a few times doing it. Um, but we like called corners, played light as a feather, like red tarot cards, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Cause I, uh, now she's like totally like super Christian. So <laughs> I wonder that what happens. you'll have to, you'll have What's to up? bring it up. You'll be like, I heard, <laughs> I heard it when your 13th <laughs> birthday, you did witchcraft and stole her dad's gin and see what she says. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> um, that's funny. What I wanted to ask you is because sort of like, I didn't really know that you, you had any sort of practice until like me and all my bubblegum friends were like, we're witches, we're witches. And then you came and kind of started to grill us about witchcraft. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what, <laughs> were you like actually casting then? What was like, what was your practice in terms of ritual um, and just sort of like your relationship as a magician? What was that like for you at that time? Um, well, I learned a lot. I was more of a book learner. Um, you know, I, I took in a ton, a ton of information. I I was reading, like, in middle school, I had, like, a college-level, um, like, reading skill. So I took in a ton of archaeology books, a lot of Celtic history books, because I wanted to kind of get down to the nitty-gritty, because I think that's important, Um because I later on adopted the Celtic Reconstruction title, um, which is ultimately like um, at least 50%, you know, studying and then 50% of actually practicing those traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I learned historical rituals as closely as I can. I started learning, um, a lot of uh, of Irish because that was the that was the uh, pantheon I was going for, mm-hmm. and it also had a lot to do with my ancestry. And then I learned that um, um, it took a lot of dedication, and it kept at it. And then I didn't really start practicing up until. Uh, 18, 19, and then I joined the military when I was 22, and then a lot of the stuff I did wasn't Irish, mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, I was, 
Um, so I formed one of the first, uh, like pagan groups on, uh, Eglin Air Force Base. Um, yeah. me and, Go ahead. I just like, I wanted to hear about, no, I wanted to hear about that. I'm like, yeah, tell me more. Um, so pretty much what had happened was, um, I was a CR. What's that? Um, I don't know what that is. It's a, it stands for uh, Celtic Reconstructionist. Got it. Got it. Got um, it. Got it. Yeah, it just make it makes it a lot shorter and easier to say, I guess. Yeah. So um, now, so now everyone knows. Will know, <laughs> including myself. Yeah. Okay. For, um, and so I was still kind of like, what's the term? I want to say um, judgment, kind of judge as an elitist, pretty much like. I would just grill people that would call themselves grilling because Mm -hmm. that title is like a very sacred title, especially to the Celts. And it's not given freely. Like you would go years and years of study. You'd have to ultimately be an expert of that culture and those traditions and those laws and the language. And so when I have a 19 year old kid trying to tell me that he's a Druid, I lose my shit. I'm like, (laughs) absolutely not. Like you're disrespecting these people that ultimately died and lost their culture. So you can have a a title. Like, did you encounter that a lot? Oh yeah. (sighs) Yeah. What? (laughs) So how, like, was that while you were serving or was it just sort of like in general that that was happening? Um, well, it happened a little bit when, when I was a civilian. And then when I went to the military, like the first couple of years, it was like, it was like that. Cause I, I, we did a bunch of like open events and stuff. And, um, I was like the bookworm of the group. Like whenever anybody had any kind of questions regarding like Celtic deities or what pantheon or, you know, or the history of them, I'm, I'm usually the person that they go to, um, and then, um, when, a when, it, sorry, go ahead. Go. No, 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 no. Keep it. Are you, it just got, I, no, you're good. Go ahead. I was curious, sort of like how many people were in your group and how that came, like how that actually came to fruition. Well, it first started with me, um, at the time was a staff sergeant, um, that was in a different career field. You know, it was a military spouse that was that practiced woodcraft for like 20 plus years. Um, and then we met another one. And then uh, the one of the staff sergeant, like she went out and went to the chapels and um, was able to network a little bit more because she was in a little bit longer. So she know she knew what, you know, what networks to go to and, and whatnot. And, and so, you know, then ultimately, like if you're part of the military, you will get emails from the chapel, regardless of your, of whatever belief you had. Really? And so that would, Oh yeah. Um, because the military belief system is very important. Um, there's a saying that, you know, you'll never find a, a fox hole atheist, because in combat, they'll end up praying to somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. And, uh, 
And so I, I was one of like the, I guess you could call it like the skeletal figures because I was holding up the backbone of the group because I was the one that was able to point to different traditions. I was able to help, you know, baby things find their path. Um, you know, I, I aided in like what literature would be good for whatever path you're looking for. You know, you were like the maester. So, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> was it, how long did the group last or is it still living on through other members? Um, it's, uh, I'm assuming it's living on through other members because there's another person I was there. I forgot to mention. Um, and she, but she worked on base and I believe she's still doing that as a uh, federal employee. And then there's some other people that also live there that were either retired or whatever that are still holding it up. Um, but at that time when I first came, there was nothing, there was a pagan community, but it there wasn't one on the base. Right. So you kind of like brought some organization and structure to that. Yeah. Did it extend, did it extend throughout the pagan community or was it more like CR people? Oh, like, well, they're all different paths. Um, one of them was, uh, well, one of them was like Wicca. Mm -hmm. Um, her patroness was Tikati. And then, um, Another one just she practices witchcraft. Um, she's a, one of the old school people. Um, she still does it, but I think she's stationed in Florida again, but in a different phase. Um, the one that started it with me, she's retired now. She lives in Texas. Um, I'm not sure. I'm assuming she still practices, but I don't really. Uh, you don't know. Keep in contact. Yeah, I don't know. Would you guys do, would you guys celebrate like any, any holidays or would you guys ever go into ritual together? Like how, how far in terms of like witchy secret society stuff did you guys get? Well, we would, you know, in my, in the path that I was taking, you know, the holidays were very important. Yeah, Lunasaw, which is the changing of the, you know, the summer and you had Samhain, which was a very important, especially to the Irish tradition. Go ahead. Oh, I was curious what you guys did for Samhain. For Samhain was really my gag. Um, Lunasa and Samhain were like the big two ones for me mm -hmm. um, because my, my patroness was the morning. And so that was also her holiday. Mm -hmm. And then Lunasa... Uh, Lou was like one of my other, uh, left. I didn't really worship him as much, but those are the two I vibrated with. And then, um, and so I would go out and do it as, as much Irish as I possibly could. Um, and the CR tradition, like typically what you would do is you, you wouldn't call circle or anything like that. Um, you would, you would write almost like a poem to your deity and then you would make a sacrifice. And usually the sacrifice would be like a plate of food. So I'm a cook by nature, you know, mm -hmm. I cook all the time. And so I would just send an extra plate of food and I would leave it there overnight. Yeah. Um, and then 
you know, if the wildlife got to it, then the wildlife got to it, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, but um, that's typically how it is. It was kind of, um, they may seem kind of primitive, like the CR uh, rituals and stuff, but there's a lot of power to them. Yeah. Um, well, I think like, you know, that's like tapping into that primal energy is, you know, kind of warlike. So it is very powerful and intense. Absolutely. And that's why like the Morgan resonated with me so much because she was like the war aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, my first four years in, I deployed three times. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. Jeez. So, it was like back to back, like, so my first deployment, I deployed at England Air Force Base, which was, it's in the Panhandle of Florida near Pensacola or Fort Walton Beach. Uh-huh. And then, um, I got orders when I was deployed, I got orders to Germany for four years. So as soon as I got to Germany, um, Chelsea was like five months pregnant at the time. Oh, wow. Um, I got orders to deploy again. So I went to Africa this time. Um, came back, my son was born, and then I got orders to deploy again. And then so it's practically back to back to back, but there's a lot of spiritual growth mm-hmm. for myself during those periods of time. Um, you know, so it's it ultimately like my journey, and now I'm kind of um, coasting and I got invited to the Golden Dawn. Um, I got to interview twice. So I just got to make the, the deposit because um, you get assigned, like if you're new to it, you get to find somebody to help you through your, your yeah. lessons and whatnot. So. That's exciting. What made you decide Golden Dawn? Like what made you, what, what drew your attention there? Well, um, so... During my first deployment, Chelsea also found her dad during this time. We were like, we just got married. She found her dad, and then she found Christianity. And then I was a complete, I'll be honest, I was a complete dick. I was, like, not happy with it. Yeah. Um, Because the history of Ireland and Christianity and St. Patrick and whatnot. Right. Um, And so... I told her, you know, I was over, and then I came to my senses and said, never mind, and then she gave me the ultimatum, and so I kept it because I don't, I personally don't believe in divorce, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of put all my studies on that stuff on the back burner because I promised Chelsea that I would, Um, and then I was kind of, I felt empty for a long time because I was a very spiritual person. You know, I was rooted in ancient traditions, and then all of a sudden I was pulled out of that, and so I felt lost for a while, and then, you know, I went to my Jewish um, ancestry. I did a lot of research. It wasn't really for me. I In Judaism, there's a lot of us versus them uh, mentality, and that uh, didn't really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you read, like, Levit- Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it's all us versus them. So <laughs> I was like... Got, okay, got it, got it. And so I was like, these laws are trash. So I just kind of put all that stuff to the back burner. Um, you know, I, it was, that, that was actually kind of hard because like, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. So, like, traditions are like heavily embedded 
in us and whatnot, but it just wasn't, wasn't for me. Right. Um, you can't like, it's not something that like you should try to force. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, now my son just came in. Oh, how old is he? He's eight. Uh, <laughs> um, how did you end up circling back and how did Chelsea take it when you sort of like started to rekindle your interest in the occult basically? Oh, well, well, funny story. Um, I've always kind of been in the occult, but she, she claims that I'm in like that gray area where I'm not like, I'm not openly practicing, but, um, I'm, I wasn't like an armchair occultist. Like I did my research, like, um, everything from like the secret teachings of all things by, uh, Manly Hall to, uh, the Lamegaton, um, and then the gospel, or not the gospel, the Testament of, uh, Solomon, which is awesome. Like if, if any of your listeners like the Goetic work, um, another really good book to go with it would be the Testament of Solomon because, um, the Lamegaton or the, lesser key of, of Solomon um, goes into like their sigils and what they're used for and whatnot, but it doesn't give much detail on who they were and how Solomon kind of came across them. Well, that's where the Testament of Solomon comes in, kind of flushes all that out. Pretty cool. Oh, um, that is cool. And so, yeah, like I have like a miniature library. My goal is to like have my own library um, I actually get to buy my own house and whatnot. So, yeah. But, Are you still in Phoenix right now? Yeah. Um, I, we moved back in 2018. Mm-hmm. I was stationed in California. Um, and I mean, theoretically I probably could have stayed, but I was no, no thanks. Um, I moved <laughs> back to Phoenix. Yeah. 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 Phoenix, um, Phoenix could use a library. You should open, <laughs> you should open one. There's like a theosophical society in LA. I'm like, it would be so great if John could start something like that in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, maybe it might be in the cards someday. It's like the golden dawn is like still technically a gray area. I I think I'll be safe in this path. Um, You mean like to her, it's a gray area. Yeah. Um, what made you, like, when did you start talking with the Golden Dawn? Like, what made you finally go, like, go forward to sort of, like, try and connect with them? Well, I did, like, so I'm a, a disabled vet. So I'm retired, and all I do is go to I go to school, and then I just chill. And since I'm on summer break right now, I have plenty of time to do whatever. So um, I've been, I've watched a lot of videos. Um, I felt that it would be a good match for me because um, I I wanted to learn like more ceremonial magic stuff. Um, I'm like I'm very technical. Like that's how my brain works. Is like yeah, if something's more technical, it it entertains me. Um, the structure, something new to learn too. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, granted, CR did have a lot like of uh cultural taboos like like god help you if you uh 
if you're one of those individuals that come across um, a CR person and you um, and you generalize like Celtic Pantheon, and that's a that's a shit show you want to try to avoid. <laughs> but, it's just like a rigid attitude towards it. Oh yeah, like you know how like many Wiccans, um, they ha- they're very eclectic, mm-hmm. um, yep. which I'm not one. I'm not one to judge. You know, you do you, but in the CR or any reconstruction path, because there's multiple different ones. Like you got the Canaanite, you got Egyptian, Norse, etc. Um, that's a that's a cultural taboo because the way they see it as is that you're disrespecting the culture and the people when you pick and choose which deities you want to follow, especially if they're out of different, out of different pantheon. Um, oh, so it gets a little dogmatic. Yeah. It gets a little dogmatic. It sounds like. Oh, absolutely. It can, but also like you got to kind of understand too, that they're trying to rebuild, um, something they thought they lost uh, or felt like was taken. Yeah. Like, traditions that you know due to christianity and other um, outer influences destroyed it and now they're going from like text like they just was re- oh, able to bring Gaulic back to life because of movements like this um which was a, a celtic language from that was from like france oh i thought it was all pronounced- the way to- wait i thought it was pronounced gaelic how are you saying it well, Gaelic is one language. It's from Scotland. Gaelic was the ancient language where the Gauls came from. Okay. The Gauls came from France, northern Italy, the Alp region, parts of Germany. Um, so, yeah, you have Gaelic and you have Irish. Um, and the reason why it's called Gaelic is because it's the language of the Gael. And then some people see that... Ireland isn't just the Gael. Ireland has a huge history of a bunch of different people moving in. Yeah. Um, and so that's why you don't really see the term the Gael. Um, some people do. It's not really that big of a deal, but, um, uh, it's just one of those technicalities, historical. Right. Uh, stuff, so, but, okay. um, but yeah, so, Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to let you go. <laughs> um, I'm like, I like, um, feel like I lost track in my brain about what we were talking, not about what we were talking about, but where the he- conversation was heading. We were talking about the Golden Dawn. Yeah. Okay. And then I. Uh, yeah. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, ultimately, before I sidetracked myself. Um, I do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, the Golden Dawn. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Um, conversations like, like these are healthy. Um, yeah. And I think that conversations like these two that are about like philo- like philosophical practices and religions and then different parts of the world too, they, it's hard to like keep it reined in. Like you will inevitably end up on some tangents. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so now you're, now you're sort of interested in working with the golden dawn and moving forward with that. Um, what was it hard for you to become less rigid? Like after you started to evolve past like your, your CR or were you already like, were you already sort of fluid? 
I was already kind of like flu and like, um, uh, so my mindset back then was to give honor to the Celts, especially mm-hmm. the, the Irish. Um, and any divergence from that was kind of, I wouldn't say a trigger, but, um, when somebody would disrespect like that culture, it almost like a, seems like a tribal gang almost, um, <laughs> where like, um, but I wasn't like violent about it or anything. No, um, it was you, like an honest. Yeah. You're good at like destroying people with your intellect. I feel like. <laughs> well, I don't want to toot my own horn. No, but, um, <laughs> and it, it happened, but, um, but ultimately I was very like to the like boots on the ground when it came to traditions and keeping up with traditions and respecting the tradition. Um, and that's where like it, it also loses a lot of people too, because a lot of people don't like to be that invested in anything. It mm-hmm. seems like nowadays. So, um, that's why it's not a huge, um, huge group of people or community, but there's a lot of like mental uh, powerhouses that are, and it like, Aaron uh, Roland Marie was the person that uh, started it during, I believe it was like the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was specifically the tradition that I practiced. She was, she, I believe she's in um, uh, Italy now, but she wrote like the guidelines or like the foundation of it. She was a, she was a huge proponent of like uh, equal rights for, uh, for females and whatnot back Jackson. Nice. And um, yeah, she was a huge, huge proponent for that. Um, but her ultimate goal was to revive some of the traditions that were lost. Um, and luckily, thanks to Catholicism, especially in Ireland, they kept a lot of the pagan stuff in their belief system. Um, I'm kind of passively uh, throwing shade at the Catholic Church. But... By all means, go for it. Go for it. I was raised Catholic, so. <laughs> You you know, yeah. <laughs> I won't stop you from taking shots. I was curious um, if there were any sort of like, if there were any sort of like daily ritual things or any even like, um, like charms or objects of meaning that you would sort of like have be part of your daily life or still do. Well, I, um, one of them. Well, the symbol of uh, Morgan was a raven, and I had that tattooed across my chest since I was like 17. Oh, um, wow. And so it was one thing, a lot of meditation. Um, there's something called, I believe it's acronym is like PGA, personal gnosis, which is very, very important as well. Um, for those that aren't familiar with the term, personal gnosis is when you're in a deep meditation and you get knowledge from the divine, whatever the divine uh, you practice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Christians and Jews like to call it um, wisdom from God or a miracle or whatever, but it's something any, everybody can do, which is when you're on your path and meditate on it um, and you get like a, a nugget of information, right? not from any literature, but... from Yeah, from um, the other side. Yep. Did you... Um, that's called the... Did you, sorry, go sorry, go ahead. It's called what? It's, 
that's called PGA for short or uh, personal gnosis. Did you, did you, did you ever like take a notebook to document sort of like the moments of enlightenment that you were experiencing or did you just sort of like internalize it and then move forward? It was kind of internalized. I wasn't, I was, kind of very, I was never really a good uh, person who, uh, who journaled anything. Like, um, only thing like I write down notes is in school, but other than that, like I don't, I'm really bad at that. That's something that I need to fix and get better at. Yeah. But I do have a real, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Um, I have a really, really good friend um, that lives in upstate New York who still um, practices um, in Irish. When somebody is deemed a druid, I say that in quotation marks, um, in Irish it's called a druid. And that's when you become, you know, you master the tradition and you're somewhat fluent in the language of whatever uh, Celtic uh, culture that you're uh, practicing. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned a lot from that guy. Uh, he was my mentor, but um, he wrote a ton of stuff. He he's really into art and all that, all that jazz. But um, you know, he he would hound me about writing stuff down. <laughs> yep. Stubborn uh, that way. When so. when you were having these deep meditations. Did you find that the information you had was prophetic or was it mostly like reassurance or how, like, how was that relationship for you? Well, I mean, personally, I think it was a combination of like semi-prophetic, but it was more to eternalize and uh, and learn. Um, a lot of that, a lot of that, uh, that like deep meditation or personal betterment. I mean, you could technically do it for all kinds of stuff, but for me during that time, I used it to internalize wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it was more like universal truths and personal evolution. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's cool. That's very cool. Um. I'm trying to th- like what, so golden dawn is a lot of sort of planetary magic from what I understand. I'm curious what you're interested to learn going into it and sort of what information you think you're taking with you. So with the golden dawn, it's actually, a lot of people don't realize this, but it's heavily based on the Judaic or Abrahamic traditions, but the ceremonial magical side is also based off of um, a lot of uh, Egyptian practices. Yeah, like the Enochian tablets and stuff, right? Yeah, those are uh, those are technically uh, Judaic. Like the Dead Sea Scrolls is where uh, the Book of Enoch comes from. Um, and then you also have like all the different uh, Gnostic texts, like the Gospel of Thomas and the gospel of Judas and I can go on. Yeah. But, um, in Judaism, um, since, uh, it was, the Kabbalah was invented by Jewish uh, rabbis. Um, uh, the Catholic, like church, some priests like, uh, Agrippa, for instance, 
also used it. And if you read the four books of the occult philosophy, you learn that. Um, that's where a lot of the elemental stuff comes into play. You know, you're, you're casting circles. All that stuff comes from Agrippa um, and some of the Renaissance uh, grimoires. Um, and so the Golden Dawn emphasizes that. And we have to remember, too, that Aleister Crowley came from the Golden Dawn, if I'm not mistaken. And then he created um, another order. Yeah. I forgot. Um, I forgot what was it OTO or I think you're um, yeah I think it is I think it is I could be wrong and I don't want to piss off some like crazy cultist out there but I think you're right yeah um so or, order it's something like an ordo templars orientist or something along those lines but yeah um, uh, Crowley got his foundation from the Golden Dawn um, and then he moved on I guess there wasn't enough like sex in Golden Dawn for his liking, so he moved on. Yeah, not enough, um, not enough heroin and bestiality either, I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, but the Golden Dawn is based on uh, the the Sephiroth, and the Sephiroth is the tree of life. Yes. Um, and so, each bubble is one of the sacred words God speaks in Genesis when, you know, God spoke life. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, magicians throughout, like, the Renaissance and the Dark Ages, um, was, they were able to harness that and use it for a lot of the ceremonial stuff. Like, a lot of the, the uh, corner calling and stuff, yeah. from, like, Wicca or whatever, it's all based off of this stuff. Um, this is, like, the very um the foundation of it mm-hmm. um, and if you haven't read any of like the the renaissance grimoires it's, it's a really really interesting read um though from my understanding like the grand grimoire it was actually a political piece of work um dressed up as a diabolical text but if you read between the lines it's an anti uh monarchy text that's the um, grand grimoire. Yeah. Oh. What are some other yeah. cool? What are some other cool Renaissance grimoires? Um, uh, like I said, uh, you have the uh, the works by Agrippa, um, and then I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, you got the uh, what was it? Having a brain fart right now. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I I know that you were sort of like talking about hermeticism a little bit, and I'm curious, sort of like how how you would. I know a little bit about hermeticism, but mostly like I just have kind of like my relationship to astrology and sort of how it can tie into hermeticism. So I'm curious, sort of like how you would. If you had to give a generalized description of hermeticism, what would you say? I would say that it was harnessing um, the cosmos, like the energy of the cosmos, mm-hmm. um, and able to use that energy um, in, a, in a healthy manner and in a manner to better yourself, but to also 
you know, your, a lot of your cognitive and your uh, mental capabilities because magic is ultimately based on all those faculties. Like, if you talk to any of, like, the people that are in the Moultrie, I don't know if I said that right, but the, those uh, focus on the spirit or the goetic spirit, um, you know, they warn you if you have any kind of mental issues, like, you know, bipolar or whatever, do not work with these spirits because they'll take advantage of you and right. bad things can happen. Um, but, uh, I think you have to be careful I, of that too when you're trying to develop psychically for that same reason. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really good YouTubers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some you may not agree like politically, but they like stick Hexenheimer on YouTube, for instance, he, um, he rewrites old work into uh, modern English. And he has like 200 probably occult texts out there that are super cheap. So like, I think two bucks, three bucks, um, but he's done a lot of the Renaissance and uh, Middle Ages uh, grimoires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, are you familiar with who uh, Damien Nichols is? I'm not super. I know that, like, I know the name, but I really couldn't tie more information outside of that. Well, Damien Nichols was an individual that was framed for a murder in uh, West Memphis. He was part of the. Yes. West Memphis three. Now I know you're talking about, he wrote the book high magic, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, he also has a YouTube channel and he goes into a lot of this stuff. Like he, he talks about, uh, the ritual of your own, of your, uh, guardian angel. And then I'm still learning. I'm an, I'm a baby. I like the hermetic stuff. So mm-hmm. if I get some stuff wrong. I'm, I'm not claiming to be an expert by any means. Um, but he, <laughs> Um, but he, he talks about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, especially the hermetic work. Um, but, um, you, there's a, just for instance, if you buy the secret teaching of all things, um, by a hall, mm-hmm. um, it talks about a lot of stuff. Uh, it talks about the, the philosophies of the Rosicrucians. Yeah. It talks about the tree of life. It talks about all kinds of stuff, and books like that will also source older grimoires, and it and they'll point in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but Agrippa, like, if anybody wants to understand, like, get a good understanding of this stuff, the three or the yeah three books of occult philosophy, and there's a fourth one too. Um, those are those would be a great foundation to start on. <clears throat> That's cool. Thanks for those tips. Um, have you, I'm like writing down everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get all these books. Um, (laughs) have you done a lot of research into astrology or even your own natal chart as your interest in sort of the ceremonial high magic has peaked? Uh, funny you say that. Um, I did get my natal chart. Um, but I need to go back. My uh, one of my best friends, um, named Sim, his mom has been doing astrology for decades for like probably 40 years. Nice. So, um, I could, I think I can uh, add you to her group or whatever. Yeah, that'd be um, awesome. But 
Um, yeah, she's. I got mine done by her last year. Um, I'm a cancer, but I also know that like a lot of the stuff, like when you're working with like angels or demons or whatever, there you get the most success during whatever time of day they require. Yeah. Um, um, I think the 72 Archangels that book, I haven't read yet, but from my understanding, it goes into the great details of the 72 angels, but there's also 72 demons. Um, I say demons in quotations because they're, a lot of them are just uh, Middle Eastern deities that were, um, uh, Abraham got their, uh, the Abrahamics got their hooks into and then demonized them, but, um, right, 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 right. But, uh, is it kind of like the same spirit, as, as the jinn? Um, some people call them jinn, but I see the jinn in like, uh, the Islamic world, their shapeshifter spirit. Um, they're actually very similar to the she in Irish tradition where they're spirits of the land. Um, they could be, cruel, they could be good, or they could be neutral, but they're on a different plane, and it's hard for humans to understand uh, to understand them, because they're from a whole different, like, plane of existence. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you got like, the L's above, right? Yeah. Well, it's really just ball, it's, a, it's another uh, form of ball, and ball means lord, um, and uh, the the crap, what's the name of that language? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Semitic. The Semitic language with the Canaanite folk and uh, Sumerian as well. Um, but, but yeah, there are uh, a lot of the stuff is based off of local deities, or um, there are some ne- like more nasty, aggressive entities in. Galicia, but I kind of I think it goes kind of with um, the being from a different dimension. Also, you got the angels. Angels are I hear could be pretty hardcore too. Yeah, brutal. <clears throat> Some of them are brutal. Do you have a favorite angel, archangel? Uh, I don't know too, that much about it yet, but mm-hmm. I can come back to you when I when I do well, find one. Yeah, totally, totally. I know that they do. I know that a lot of, um, like if you're doing planetary magic, there are hours of the day where you're supposed to sort of like cast as well. That's like big at the shop that the cult shop that I work at. Cause the guy who owns it was a big golden dawn guy. I sort of was telling you about him when we were talking, yeah. but yeah, like people will come and they'll get their carved candles and then he's like, okay, you got to light it at two. Cause it's a mercurial hour. Like all that sort of stuff. He like looks it up on his phone. Do you, so do you, do you do any sort of ritual or anything currently? Do you have an altar set up? Like, how does that, how does that go over when you've got like a sort of a Christian conservative kind of partner? Um, well, I'm like researching, um, the lesser banishing ritual. Mm-hmm. That's um, just a, so I can get familiar with it. That's, uh, that's. That's sort of like the concept that you make yourself the center of the universe and then you do your sort of spell, correct? I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, 
So is it just something that you practice without tools or do you have like a, do you have tools or is it like, what's sort of like, what are the boundaries are like, I'm kind of curious what you can and can't get away with. Well, um, personally, uh, I, I still have a lot of my stuff that's packed up and, and storage right now. But, um, honestly, I'm, I'm just working on like my meditations and stuff because I want to get that as a good foundation and then I kind of do all that stuff like mentally mm-hmm. um, just because I don't want to cause any undue stress. And, and my wife works from home right now um, oh, because yeah. of the, old, the Rona. So. Ro- yep. Um, I also, like, I think that sort of once you've, I think that tools are there sort of like as a reminder or like a metaphor. And I think yeah, that. It's symbolic. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And so I think that you can completely be effective, if not more effective, when you just do your ritual work through meditation, when you just sort of communicate through meditation. I don't think it necessarily has to be let, you know, light a candle, call a corner, you know, like have your sword and your wand. Like, I I think that that's sort of, you know, can be sort of a give or take thing, especially when you're skilled, because I get when you're starting out. Well, I think it depends on what you're doing. Like, if you're working with the Goisha, you better be casting a circle. Um, <laughs> and, and also using, um, there's also a triangle too, which I think that's where the, the spirit, either the spirit, like the spirit or the angel, is when, when you're working like through the golden dawn, um, when they're invoking these kinds of spirits, they, uh, it seems like they always also summon an angel mm-hmm. to have a bodyguard, and then the, and then the magician tells the spirit to do whatever the, the caster needs. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's like totally, um, totally situational on when you cast the circle and when you don't. Like when I was working with the Morgan as the CR. Circle wasn't even a thing. Like that's not something that they did. The Irish never did that um, during the Iron Age and stuff. Um, but with ceremonial magic, working with um, other entities like archangels and um, goetic spirits, so you better right. be doing like doing as much of your checklist as you possibly can because you don't want to get burned. Um, Right. Yeah. You want to like take your, do, do your d- due diligence. Yeah. Do you think that you could do that though without tools? Cause I know that, you know, like a lot of the time when you're doing the lesser banishing ritual, you'll have like a blade, but I mean, do you think, yeah. do you think that as long as you go through the motions and you sort of like honor these different sort of steps, do you think that the material object is or is not important? Um, I personally would do everything possibly could to follow um, the techniques and traditions as I could when it comes to doing ceremonial magic. Uh, just because, like, she can go long real quick, and that's not that's not a, a chance I'm willing to take. So I'll I'll go through everything. I know a lot of people say, you know, they um, they. Some people don't even cast a circle in their work on the experience, especially like the ones on the left-hand path and whatnot. 
I, I personally think that's kind of foolish. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my opinion. I'm not right. claiming to be an expert. <laughs> um, you know, I have, a, I have a little boy up in the day and I want to make sure his life is as normal as it possibly can. So. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Have you had any sort of like what you felt like were extreme, either paranormal or just like high energy experiences? Um, oh, yeah. Especially when I was little, um, like five. Um, I remember seeing an Irish, they're called the She, um, which are spirits of the land ultimately. And I remember seeing them. I remember distinctly, it was like Easter morning. And we were over at my neighbor's house and I was like looking to the back door and they haven't cut the grass in a long time. So it was kind of long. I remember seeing like just a little figure um, like within the blades of grass and it cut me out. Um, but that was before I knew any of this stuff. And then I remember like, I remember one situation when I was like a baby, I was in a crib. I think I was like two or so. Mm-hmm. And we were standing up crying um, because for some reason my blinds were open and the the light of the full moon was blurring in my room. And I remember seeing like more of like little uh, spirits playing with like my my toys on on the, on the floor. Um, I remember that like it was yesterday. That's the only spirit like not spirit, that's the only um, memory I have from when I was that young. Yeah. Do you, do you remember, like, I know it's like hard to like kind of jump back into that mindset, but do you, can you remember your train of thought when that happened? Like how your little baby brain was trying to process it? Yeah. I remember I was just scared. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, I was things going on in my room that was beyond my comprehension, you know, as a toddler or whatever. Um, yeah, I just remember feeling fear and confusion. Um, so. Did they notice you back or did they just keep sort of like playing and doing their thing? They, um, I, they didn't really notice me. They just kept on doing their thing. Um, and then what I also understand was like spirits of the land are uh, we're, we're not really what we do, as long as we're not like destroying huge acres of land, they don't really care what we do. Right. They're still going to do what they do. Um, it's, it's like back when I was talking about like the uh, mental mentality and the behaviors of, of uh, entities like that, they're foreign. So us humans have a hard time understanding what they're trying to do or what they're doing. Um, but they know what they're doing. Right. So, did you you said were you calling them Earth spirits? Is that what you're calling them? No, I was calling them spirits of the land. Spirits of the land. Spirits uh, of the land. That's yeah. sort of what you identify them as. Um. Uh, well. Yeah. Typically, like each culture has their own like uh, natural or native spirit. Um, the Irish call them the she, which is uh, the it's spelled S by the E. I believe there's an accent mark over the E, I could be mistaken. Um, and then 
some people call them fairies, I guess. Yeah, I was um, wondering. I was like, is it gnomes? Is it fairies? Like, is it brownies? <laughs> yeah, well, like, all that stuff that has its, like, history, and you can follow their, their tradition. The, the biggest confusion, though, is when, um, like, typically Americans and, like, like baby pagans that haven't done too much homework, uh, uh, people have anglicized the she, meaning that they turned it in terms in English and more of the, the Angle cultural traditions, which the Angles were a Germanic people, not a Celtic people. So the Germanic people had the doors, had, I believe, the gnomes, um, the elves, all that stuff is Norse and Germanic. Mm-hmm. So the, the Celtic, especially the Irish, are very, very different. Um, you know, the pantheon of deities for the Irish is called the Tuday Bandit, which just means the children of Bandit, which was like the, the chief god. Um, but a lot of the DR people that follow that tradition view them as ancestors. Oh, um, okay. And so when I, when I say like a lot of the DR stuff and that uh, part of the world or region, it's, it's primitive, but it's also beautiful at the same time. But like I said, um, there's I'm going on another tangent, but there's reconstruction of so many different cultures right now in Europe. Um, there's a huge resurgence of paganism because people are tired of foreign um, belief systems. They want to go back to, you know, what their ancestors practiced. So. Right. Hmm. Well, was there any sort of was there any sort of like last minute subject or anything like that that you wanted to touch up on? How are you feeling? Because we're getting close to time. Oh, for sure, no problem. Um, you know, uh, well, I will say that uh, if anybody's interested, like in the Irish tradition or the Celtic tradition, there's multiple, um, and they want to be like, what material will be good reading material. Um, you shoot them my way. If I can, um, if I can shoot them your way. Yeah, you could. They could. You could shoot them my way if they have any questions or whatever. I'm more than happy to help. Or should they find um, you? Should they find you on Facebook? Uh, they can find you in the private group too, the Rainbow Glitter Star private group. Yep. Yes, they can. Um, you know, more than um, happy to help anybody that has questions or whatever. Um, and as far as the hermetic stuff. I'll, I'll keep you posted if you want to know about yeah. how my growth is and whatnot. Yeah, so, I would. I would love to touch base again and sort of have you have you school everyone on hermeticism because I, you know, <laughs> I know you'll be running I'm, circles around probably your teachers in, in no time with how much you absorb information. I mean, like I, I'm, I will humbly say I'm nowhere near that point. And I've done I've done like quite a bit of research, but there's also research that you can't really get published really either. So Yeah. We'll see. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, have you know, to, we'll have to do it again. Oh, for sure. Uh, feel free to, you know, if you have any more questions or anything, feel free to ask. Yeah. To help. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. 